Welcome to Radio KBPV, Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, a podcast about the history of southwestern Alberta, presented by Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village of Pincher Creek, a museum complex that documents the stories of Western Canada's agricultural settlement through the preservation of local buildings and artifacts among a six-acre park. Pincher Creek is a town of 3,700 souls in a vast rural trading area of some 3,000 rural dwellers. A vibrant region of rolling prairie, foothills, the Rocky Mountains, the Pecani First Nation, Waterton Lakes National Park, the Crow's Nest Pass, and the Upper River Watershed of the South Saskatchewan River Basin. Join us in this podcast where we present walking tours of our buildings and hear the stories of the farmers, townsmen, cowboys, mounties, pioneer women, politicians, chroniclers, miners, railroaders, and so many other significant histories of this particular corner of Canada. We're back to our tours of the buildings of the Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. And the Walrin Ranch Company House is one that we will probably return to often on the podcast, just because there is a very storied history of uh, ranching in southwestern Alberta, as in the, one of the primary industries and the founding industries of the province, the region, and one that continues to uh, flourish, not only because of Western traditions, and but purely because of a business, because we all eat. We are in a time and place here, as we talk on the cusp of 2020, where not all people eat meat. People are away from it. But uh, if you go back 150 years, there was a great demand for regular, regularly shaped sources of beef across the country and Alberta beef has proven to be a very viable product around the world and still a very vital industry in uh, Canada and Alberta and uh, around the world. You can go just about anywhere in uh, oh say the upper north part, northern part of the United States and still be able to eat Alberta beef and uh, it still goes across the, uh, the ocean to China, Asia, and exported around the world. So we're going to talk about where a little bit of this comes from, and the Walrind is very important in that story. So we go back in our fascinating ranching heritage that dates to the early 1870s. And before I go further, I just want to refer to you that the Walrind as an entity still exists here in 2020 as a cooperative grazing lease. Only most people of the area tend to call the, uh, tend to call the ranch the Waldrund. Now we'll get into that a little bit later um, as to why that changes from Waldrund, W-A-L-R-O-N-D, because that is the original spelling and original pronunciation. And, and um, those of you who are familiar with Waldron, you're not incorrect. But we'll, we'll go back to when it starts. Um, in the 1870s, small operators, fur traders, discharge mounties, experimented with turning cattle out on the prairie to measure their gains. So they would just throw them out uh, over the summer, and uh, when they come back, they weigh them, 
and see how they, uh, how they had uh, progressed. And this was sort of the start of the cow-calf industry in southwestern Alberta. Now, these small successes led to a Dominion government policy that allowed corporate syndicates and individuals to be able to lease up to 100,000 acres of land. Get this, one cent per acre per year. I think we'd all love to have rental deals like that. But these ranches were designed to give birth to the, to the industry in what is now southwestern Alberta. At that point in time, Alberta existed as an entity, as a territorial district of the larger Northwest Territories. With the proper political and economic backing, accompanied by a favorable climate and the grazing areas, the result was a series of flourishing corporate and also family ranches. The Walrand was one of several of these corporate entities that established on the western reaches of the prairies during the 1880s, taking advantage of the open range program. Established in 1883, the Walrand was largely financed by Sir John Walrand Walrand, and I'm not stuttering, that is basically how this British laird um, pronounced his name with the hyphenated between both, both, uh, both names. And he was a wealthy British politician, and there was a lot of uh, money stemming from outside of the area, from Britain, from Quebec and Ontario, and from the United States, to capitalize upon this, uh, this Dominion Range deal. To operate as the general manager of the ranch, Walrin Walrin hired a veterinarian named Duncan McEachran, who... Uh, once made his residence inside this ranch company house. Now that Walrin range straddled the north fork of the Old Man River encompassing much of the grazing lands west and southwest of the Porcupine Hills and the front range of the Rocky Mountains. In 1883, 3,000 head of cattle were trailed north from Montana and that established the founding herd of the Walrin. The ranch prospered over many decades in spite of the storied harsh winters of 1886 and 1887 and the really bad one of 1906 and 1907. The Walren land holdings were eventually acquired by a Nevada concern and the beef baron Pat Burns assumed much of the grazing lease. The name of Walren was also as often mispronounced as Waldron, and the terms were used interchangeably. It's just when you've got British tongues and American tongues and French-Canadian tongues, well, I guess things just uh, sort of take on their own use. Now, the, uh, the, that interchangeability eventually became the Waldron. The ranch as an entity continued to operate until 1962 when a cooperative venture under the name of Waldron was established by area ranchers and that's W-A-L-D-R-O-N. So after that time in 1962, the, the range was turned over um, back to the Crown who still owned, retained the ownership of the, uh, of the property as a grazing lease and run by area farmers and ranchers as a cooperative that still operates to this day. 
Now the ranch building was a, a, a very large structure, construction in 1894 of local timbers that were squared by broad axes. The house provided living and social quarters for the various ranch managers and their families from 1883 through to the 1950s. In the kitchen, a professional cook, known as the chuck wagon cook, kept the cupboards stocked with food and the stoves cooperating constantly. When ranch hands were working at the main ranch, uh, meals were taken in the kitchen. Between serving, the ranch fam manager's family and the shifts work of the cowboys, meal times were very sporadic with diners coming and going at all hours. So the coffee was kept hot, the stew pot full, and the bread fresh at all times. When cow hands were out on herding duties, or in the spring or fall roundup, the cook was called out to go with them, managing temporary camps and meal service from the chuck wagon. Now the, the ranch building is unique in that it not only contained the manager's quarters, but also the ranch office and the uh, bunkhouse for the cowboys. Usually on most ranches, these were separate buildings, but uh, the Walrind was sort of an omnibus use building. So the offices were located in what is now serves as the photo display room. And adjacent was the large parlor where a large focal point where the ranching elite, where Dr. McEachran's colleagues and his rivals were entertained. Off the parlor, Off the parlor, two well-appointed bedrooms housed the manager's family or notable guests. Off the kitchen, the lengthy adjacent bunkhouse quartered many of the Waldron cowboys. Much of that bunkhouse did not survive the salvaging of the ranch house. So in its original location, the photographic evidence shows that the bunkhouse was actually about 30 feet longer than what you see when you visit the village. So the remaining portion is interpreted as a tack room and next door that uh, sheltered the hired men's saddles, their riding tacks, branding irons and other gear. So by the early 1980s, the ranch house had started to fall into disuse and it was acquired by Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village and was transported in two sections and reassembled on the grounds around about 1985. Thank you for listening to Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. This episode was researched and written by historians Farley Wood and Gord Tolton. This podcast is recorded and engineered by Gord Tolton. Episodes can be found at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcatcher. Visit our website at www.kootenaybrown.ca. Kootenay is spelled K O O. T-E-N-A-I. Also, visit and join our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more information on our museum, or even better, visit us at 1037 Beverly McLaughlin Drive in beautiful Pincher Creek, Alberta.